0: This is Paul Nobles from e to Perform, and I am sitting here with Coach Mike Milner. And we are going to be talking today about a few topics, especially related to um, the free templates that all e to Perform members get. And wanted to really talk about that piece. But, Mike, did you want to say hi to everybody?
1: Hello, everybody.
0: So, Mike just moved to um, California. He abandoned all the snowy people in Philadelphia, and so, um, how are you liking it so far? Has it has it started to get? Uh, has the weather warmed up a little bit for you?
1: I mean, I can't complain with seventy degrees and sunny. So uh, we're enjoying it so far. Still a lot of unpacking to do and trying to get settled, but uh, it's been beautiful here.
0: So now that does not stop most Californians. Um, <laughs> You know, um, when it's 70 and they're walking around in their parkas. um, I'm actually in Minnesota, as evidenced by the twins hat. Um, I'm looking out at about three feet of snow um, in my backyard. And uh, it's supposed to be minus 15 on New Year's Eve. So uh, pretty exciting stuff. Um, Won't matter to me. My temperature is going to be the same as Mike's. (laughs) It's, it's 72 in my house, you know. Yeah. Um so let's talk a little bit about um the train templates because there were there were some questions that have started to come up with the new foundation templates, which is like the evolution of um all the things that we've done up to this point and, and Mike spends countless hours designing these things. But what I really wanted to talk about first was that it's like the most underappreciated part of ETH reform, right? Um, and in 2018, um, we will get the templates in the app, right? Um, that is a big priority. So, people, you know, it, it shocks me, you know, Mike and I both are members at Lifetime. Um, though I think he's actually joining a new gym relatively soon, and it shocks me that some people kind of have a, a general idea of what they're doing, but not everybody has a plan going into, um, you know, going into the gym. And the nice thing, at least for me, you know, I, I thought I was doing the hypertrophy work for a long time, but kind of getting back to the main piece. You know, it's very common for someone to charge you for the physique template, for the powerlifting template, for all these different things. And every single time, it's $120 more. And from my standpoint, you know, that just hurts the people's progress, right? If you have to, you know, nickel and dime everybody, right, and that's a big part of your program, That kind of misses the boat, and so that's why we went to, now we do have a year-long template that we do charge for, uh, but most people have sort of moved to these other things, right, Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about those, but I think that that's a real key to Eat to Perform that a lot of people don't consider, right, that, you know, you know, if you're looking for coaching, if you're looking for a general template to follow that's going to allow you to put on muscle and lean out as you're in fat loss, um, we have you hooked up. That's all taken care of, right? Um, We also have a two-week trial, right? And so, you know, you can start risk-free, try all the templates, and, and you'll be fine. So, you know, we would love it if you joined us, you know, at Eat to Perform and, uh, you know, we'll kind of go from there. But uh, what I wanted to start the podcast, the first part of the podcast is um, on how Eat Perform coaches communicate because I think that there's a little bit of a misunderstanding. And, you know, it especially for new people, it kind of throws them off a little bit right? And so um, the second half, we're going to be really talking about the, the templates. We've done a number of podcasts on the templates, but there are things within the temp- templates and things that are coming that you know I wanted to talk about and kind of get out there. So when we look at how you know, Mike and I talk with the same voice, you know, you're looking at the kind of the same elements that you know, Ford uses and General Motors and McDonald's, right? Where you're trying to standardize how things work, right? And when you look at Eat and Perform and how we differ from everyone else, we actually just sent out a video that I, I think does a great job of explaining the Eat Perform method and how coaches start talking to each other. And so... When I look at how we're going to get better in 2018, one of the things that we're going to do as a system, I've been kind of calling breadcrumbs, um, and I know that that's not particularly unique, um, and we we may name it something specific to Eat each Perform in the future. But if you're an each performer and you're familiar with performance recomp, you know you kind of you kind of get the general idea that that the, the higher you can get your calories, the, the lower, the, the more success that we can have in a deficit, right? And we don't have to get you there, you know, at super low macros, right? We can get you there at relatively reasonable macros that really, you know, most people would not consider to be dieting. Um, so I'm going to let Mike talk because he just hasn't said anything, but do you have any thoughts on what I'm saying at this point, Mike?
1: No, I think um, the biggest piece is the communication between not just us and the clients, but also between the coaches on a daily basis. I mean, the standardization piece that you're talking about. You know, we interact with each other and all the coaches um, to make sure that you know we're all pulling from the same rope, that we're we're all on the same page, and and that really helps with you know coming up with these with these plans and setting people up to be successful so you know like you said pushing intake it's because we've seen thousands of files where we know you know what gets results so um you know we have an example for pretty much every situation to know like all right we need to push things here and the more we can do that the better we're gonna the the more results we're gonna get in in a deficit and and again like you said not having to go super aggressive with you know, people who haven't done eat to perform, if they see those fat loss numbers, you know, it looks like a lot of food to them. So right. Um, we get
0: we we get that all the time, right? Yeah. Um, like how am I gonna lose fat at these numbers? And then all of a sudden, you know, the person ends up losing 10 pounds um, within you know a month or so, right? And so um but to kind of expound upon Mike's part is that we actually, you know, a lot of times if you will go to, to to a random food logger and they'll ask you how many pounds you would like to lose, they're guessing. They don't know how much you're eating, right? They've not tracked your food all along the way. And we track your food. So when we see someone go from, you know, like we had a gal that was 529 and she moved to fat loss, you know, and her calories were still you know, 1950, something like that. Um, the We can actually estimate much better that that person's probably going to lose in the neighborhood of 12 to 15 pounds. Now, it sort of depends on the, the person. In, in her case, she's actually very lean. So she's probably looking for more in the neighborhood of 8 to 10, right? Um, but in terms of, of trying to figure out Kind of how much somebody can lose in a short cycle, the way that we do it mathematically is so much better than anything out there that it's, it's ridiculous to even compare it to what we do, right?
1: Yeah. I know you're going to dive a little bit deeper into the details of this with kind of the, the breadcrumb method, but if you think about this time of year and the biggest mistake that is going to be made across the board without a doubt – is everybody's going to look at 2018 is my year, and it's you know that mindset of I'm going to I'm going to crush 2018, and the goals that they're going to set in their mind or you know put down on paper, it's going to be all right. 2018, I'm losing 50 pounds. Let's do this, and you're all you know motivated at that time, uh, but you're really setting yourself up for a letdown because of the magnitude of the goals that you're setting. So we kind of take that process where, and, and you actually made a great post about that earlier about, you know, let's aim for progress and and not try and set the bar so high that, you know, you're ultimately setting yourself up for failure.
0: Well, and, and one of the things that we do is a lot of people set goals that are like 20 pounds automatically within the system. We set your goals, you know, like, In the very beginning, we set them at two pounds from where you're at, right? We want you hitting very achievable goals all along the way, right? And because of our technology, like think about, you know, I was just thinking about this the other day and why most coaches recommend very extreme. And you more often than not, if you're getting macros from some dude on the internet, right? He doesn't have an app. He can't check what you're doing. He might be able to look at your MyFitnessPal or she might be able to look at your MyFitnessPal. But in general, what they're going to do is, is give you the, the the most survivable rate low that you can get through, right? And so when we talk about the most survivable rate, you know, you'll see people that start people off at 1,200 calories and then when they stall, they try to get them to eat 800 calories. And I don't know that a lot of people knew that they were signing up for that, right? Yeah. Like, and, and, and then when you look at, like I posted a, a, a progress picture today of Christina who went from eating 1,800 calories to eating 3,200 calories. And body composition is the same. Right. For the most part. And actually, she she's leaner. Um, I mean, just 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 get sidetracked for just a second. It just I I really hate, you know, I mean, I have a very conflicted relationship with before and after pictures just because people are so mean on the Internet. You know, um, and it, it just I, I don't see how you could see something like that. And I see this all the time on Instagram with people that don't moderate their comments. And I just think yeah. to myself, you know, why are you, you know, putting this person up to be on blast? You know, and I, I mean, I don't get through all of our comments. But in general, if I see something, you know, I'll t- end up banning the user. But I just don't understand how another human being, you know. That um, you know, realistically, is is going to be um, you know we're getting a little bit spammy. I think, uh, Mike. So if if you can moderate that a bit, let me know. Um, all right. So so let's talk a little bit about how either form coaches communicate. Shouldn't take too long, but when you know the most effective method to get someone's calories up is going to be um, as quickly as possible. And you know, there's there's different schools with that, right? And of course people always have fear, right? Like I've lost 15 pounds and I don't wanna gain it all back. You know, so they, they wanna add in four carrots, you know. To get from 1800 to 3200, the, the best way to do it is as fast as possible, right? Because then your body has to adapt to it quicker. And, you know, what we see often is that we can control your weight in the process. But, but you know, in that whole discovery, right, let's be real. Not everyone wants to stay weight stable, right? And so what we've done is, like, put in kind of breaks along the way, and that's what we're referring to when we say the Eat to Perform method. And so the three parts of the Eat to Perform method are, are as such, right? So at Eat to Perform, we have an algorithm and an app, you know, so you, like, like if you're thinking about, when you think about what we do, I just don't think most people know what we do, Right because like you literally have the ability to almost text message a coach right you're in your app and you can message a coach and the next time that they review you which is usually you know 2 to 3 days later I mean we've moved to reviewing people twice a week just so we can make this method a little bit better so I'm going to I'm going to talk a little bit about about that piece so The algorithm, which we call EMMA, basically gives you food as you hit goals. And EMMA works hand-in-glove with with coaches. And coaches are constantly checking in on your files, like I said, twice a week. And there's basically three things that happen. One, will change your weight goal so that you have another goal to shoot at. And so usually you'll get some type of message. Now there was a, there was a, there was some people talking about um, you know, kind of the standard messages that that we give people, not understanding that you know when you're talking to five thousand people that there has to be some level of, of standardization. So that's what I'm really talking about right now. And we haven't written all the messages yet, and then we, we change them relatively often. Um, but in the first case, you know, and I'm just going to to present them as E1, right? So So when I, when Mike looks at E1, he knows that I've already pulled down Emma, and made the goal a little bit more aggressive, right? So that that's my way of communicating with Mike as a coach, so we can speak with one language. And what that'll ha- what makes that happen is you hitting a relative amount of goals in a shorter period of time, right? And so um, it gives you the chance to really fight for your next goal down so that's the next breadcrumb is f1 and so f1 is fighting for your way down now there there are going to be variances of that message i'm not really going to go into that too deeply but what i am going to say to you is if you're not fighting for your goal you're floundering and e Perform coaches are not going to let you flounder because what we see is that people that are floundering don't reach their end goals very well. And if you look at what we're ultimately trying to do, we're trying to expand your metabolic capacity. We're trying to expand what you can do in terms of work capacity and fuel and energy and such like this. And so we're wanting to see you hit some of these lower goals. But I wouldn't say that if you don't hit it, that it's a failure, right? Um, And, you know, just to give you an example of the context of what I'm talking about, let's say that we have a male who's 199 and he's hit four Emma goals, you know, over the course of a week. What I will then do is pull it down, you know, to say, let's say, you know, and, and, He's underneath, and let's say he's 197.8. You know, I might pull him down to 195.9, right? And and a lot of people go. This is the part of ETH reform that I don't think regular health and fitness people have caught up to, right? And I, I think they will eventually, but it's almost as if adding hundred calories or 200 calories is kind of a net negative related to fat loss when it's well known that there's two ways to break up a plateau you can go down or you can go up we do both most places just do one right so that's why they're always selling you as low as possible sixty days you know and all this other stuff that's really not a lifetime approach And to be honest with you, it kind of fucks you up, right? And, I mean, I don't mean to use, like, really strong language there, but sometimes language really needs to be used to explain to people how badly constantly dieting and constantly going to that whip does for you. So, Mike, uh, why don't you talk a little bit about your thoughts related to that as I try to catch up on comments a little
1: bit. Yeah, that. I mean, that's the biggest... Difference between us and everybody else. I mean, if there, if you have a plan, and that person or that coach or that company doesn't have the next step in mind, um, then and it's a terrible plan. And that that goes for training too. If you think about how you periodize periodize training, and you're thinking about you know a, a short cycle, a four week cycle. What's the next four weeks look like? What does the you know whole year look like? Um, it's we have the next step already in mind of what needs to happen. Um, and I think that what most companies do differently is like you said, they push things in one direction. So it's, we're starting here, this is our baseline. And then once you hit a goal, they go down. Whereas we go in the other direction. Um, but well, and then but you've gotten to the point where there's nowhere else to go. And that's when things really, you know, hormonally and just psychologically and, all stuff starts to go wrong. And then what tends to happen in those situations is the person then thinks that they're broken and that they can't, you know, that this just isn't cut out for, they're not cut out for this. They, you know, they play the, um, you know, they think they're a unicorn. They think that something is wrong with them and, and it's on to the next program that kind of sets them up in that same cycle.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, what's really interesting and the thing that we see that you guys, you know, don't see is that the, Actual opposite of that is what motivates people, right? So when we look at Emma, like in you know, I mean, we're talking about Emma like she's a person, but in Ethan Formland, Emma is really popular, right? Because not only is there kind of a a point that relates to the progress that you're making, but there's another piece that I think happens. When you're starting to eat a little bit more food, you naturally feel a little bit more motivated to go to the gym, right? Not only do you have more energy, but it also, you know, um, I I think when you're eating 3,000 calories as a female or 4,000 calories as a male, you kind of get that activity needs to be a priority in your life, right? Right. When you're super low calorie, the exact opposite is happening. So when you stall and they lower your calories, how motivating is that, right? Like what makes you then want to be that much better? And then, you know, what I always kind of, you always see these amazing, you know, transformation pictures. I just want to see what that transformation picture looks like two weeks later. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like just two weeks doesn't even need to be because what you often see, like there was, um, you know, one of the athletes that we work with who's a team USA lifter. um, And it's so amazing, like looking at her Instagram because she's not food obsessed because she's eating food all the time. And then you look at a bunch of other team USA lifters and there's all these food posts. It's because they're cutting nonstop. Right, yeah, and so you, know, you you start to realize the psychological aspect is, is a really big piece. Um, in turn, yeah. up, Mar- Martina was asking a question about you know predicting you know fat and then predicting muscle. Muscle is very difficult to predict. Um, what happens for a lot of people with new, you know that are new to fitness, they, they they see a lot of progress, and then there's a lot of people that that have been in the fitness game for a while. You know, Mike actually talked in one of our recent podcasts about gaining three pounds of muscle, which most people would go, oh, well, that's nothing, right? But when you're a athlete that trains and has been training for years, you know, the amount of adaptation becomes much, much harder. Can you speak to that a little bit, Mike?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean – we talk about patience all the time and it rings true so much. So when it comes to building muscle, when you're a, you know, your lifting age gets higher, uh, you know, if you're new, obviously you're going to be kind of a hyper responder. Um, so things can move much quicker, but if you've been training for a long time you got to really, really be patient and, and kind of fight for, for every little bit of, of new muscle tissue that you can add. And, um, it's, it is tough to predict because, you can kind of play around with different strategies that work. Um, you know, people respond differently to different methods. And, and I think that's another part of what we have going that each to perform with, you know, everything hurts and the foundation template and the, you know, lean AF template. I mean, there's really, we're kind of hitting things from different angles to, to really find what feels best for, for each person. And so um, it's definitely not something that's easy to project and say, all right, over these, next few months so-and-so is going to gain x amount of pounds of muscle um it's it's really just putting that that work in using the food and and then you know kind of seeing how your body responds
0: well we'll get to that piece of things because i i I honestly you know as someone that's not necessarily that new to training you know these templates are an eye-opener for people right and just in terms of you know, amount of work, quality of work, things of that nature. So there is the fighting piece, which, you know, e form coaches are going to let you fight, but they're not going to let you flounder, right? So, you know, typically we are going to put you in a window of about 10 to 14 days. And so, um, you know, we're gonna give you the first message. You might get to the second message, but if we start to see that you're kind of floundering there we're just going to go ahead and and kind of move you know things to the other way because you know there is a you know there is some truth to lowering calories right so if we're if we're if the end game is to try and get you to lower calories we need calories a little bit higher and you weight stable in that process but the eat Method kind of takes a lot of the things that we've learned and makes it a little bit better because when you look at some of our best success stories, you know, most of them did it at really high calorie points, not necessarily low calorie points. Now there's some people, you know Michelle as an example, you know has been um, she's on our sales page. Um, you know she's had moments or her calories are relatively low, but she does not respond best at super low calories, right? She responds best when her calories are about 2,500 to 2,800, and that's when she sees the most success. I wouldn't say that everyone works like that, but I would say that most people actually do work like that. They just don't push themselves hard enough to see that type of success, right? So so they look at it and they think, the only way that I can see success is if my calories are low. Physiologically, that makes no sense, right? Because, you know, you, you know this is obviously what Fitbit brings to the market and all these different things. And people say, well, why do I not lose weight if I'm burning 4,000 on my Fitbit? Well, it's because you haven't controlled the other piece. You haven't eaten an adequate amount. And so, no matter what your burn is, your body is going to look for balance. And if you're only giving it 1,600 calories, that's where it's going to find balance at 1,600 with a 4,000 burn, right? And people, so,
1: in those scenarios, people think uh, that there's something wrong. Your your body, in that scenario, is responding exactly how it's supposed to. Like your body was built to keep you alive yeah. and as a survival machine. So, it's doing exactly what it's supposed to, it's being more <laughs> right. efficient with the smaller amount of intake and, and, you know, therefore you you start to burn less, your, your metabolic rate goes down. You start to, you know, you feel shittier. You just, you're sleeping. Your sleep isn't as good. Your stress is higher. All these things. Um, it's, it's your body trying to protect you. It's responding exactly how it's supposed to.
0: Yeah. I mean like, like, you know, everyone focuses on starvation mode You know, imagine it like a problem that you caused for yourself, right? That's what Mike's talking about. There is no starvation mode. There is not this magic place, right? The body wants to be fed all of the time, right? But the problem is, is that you guys want the problem to be solved as quickly as possible. And what we're saying is, is that... And I do believe that this is actually true. I don't think that you guys actually want the problem solved as quickly as possible. I mean, it'd be nice to snap your fingers and then everything is solved. I think if you knew that a patient approach would work, you would do it, right? If you saw people having success, you would do it, right? And so I think that's where, you know, when you look at kind of the movement that has become Eat to Perform, that's why. Right. And so, you know, there's all these people talking about all of these diets as we're talking about how bad dieting is for you. You know, Um, the good majority of people that are using some magical diet, you know, they're pulling water out of their body. They end up skinny fat as a result. And they're not actually, you know, looking at overall fat loss. They're, They're just looking at weight loss. They're blowing through a lot of muscle. And we talk about that a lot on the page, so I'm not gonna go, go into that. So the last piece of the breadcrumbs is getting you to hit Emma goals again, right? So you know, on the one hand, we're gonna pull your weight goal down. We're gonna give you a chance to keep fighting down, right? Michelle's a great example of that. Vicky's a great example. We have got hundreds of great examples of people that have done that. So then we're gonna give you the chance to fight for that goal, right? And then the next goal, the next part is to say, okay, we gave that a chance, but we've got to start moving calories up so that if we want to build work capacity, if we want to build muscle, part of the process that you guys often think about isn't what we think. you know. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about this when we start talking about the templates. But when your calories are going up, you are in fat loss. Right? Because you're building muscle in that process as long as your calories um, and and training stimulus is giving you the effect that you need. The problem with a lot of people you know that are sitting on a treadmill for a long period of time without a lot of weight training is you're kind of earning their food but not necessarily you know using it to to lean out. Right, so that's the last piece. So there, there's E1, there's E1 is we're pulling them off of you, F1 um, is, is you're fighting for it, and then M1 is when we're actually moving your weight goal right close to where you are to give you a chance to hit a few more goals so that you, know, you can then um, get that calorie piece up, start leaning out, and, and, and things of that nature. Um, anything that you want to add to that before we move on to the template piece
1: no I think that summed it up perfectly
0: all right so there's a couple things that that I think is really important to talk about especially this time of year right because you know for the last two three weeks you know most people have you know been a, a little bit lax and one of the things that i just, hate about the health and fitness industry, you know, and and I, I know I know everybody's heart's in the right place, right? But, man, you just see all these messages that are sort of guilting people about the choices that they're making with their families in this time of year. And I just feel like that misses the point. Like, isn't the point of health and fitness to really be kind of a lot see once again this is this is if you think yourself like if i was selling someone on eating 800 calories it would really frustrate me if they weren't eating 800 calories so all of you know this whole diet industry that's kind of built up that you're seeing on instagram and they're building up models and stuff like this and and they're talking about these elaborate cheat meals it it's just misses the overall point of why people want to do all of this in the first place. You don't want to do this to live a less flexible life. You want to be able to work. I mean, like you know, when I went, you know, from an inactive person to a person with a lot of activity, I certainly did not do that with the idea in mind that I would be eating chicken and kale for the rest of my life, right? Right. And so so if if that means that I don't have to that I'm not going to be sitting at 4% body fat, um, I'll happily not get the eating disorder that a lot of people end up with because they're constantly trying to, you know, hit that square peg in a round hole, right? And and it's that relationship with food that gets harmed by messages within the, the health and fitness industry that you know, I will tell you, it, it, it gets frustrated when people talk about goals that they aren't hitting that they aren't actually working towards. Right. Um, yeah. So I get that piece. But I just think if you're saying to someone, here's your 800 calorie diet, and then you're pointing to them and saying, well, you obviously couldn't stick to it. At some point as a trainer, don't you have to take some accountability that you gave that person an unsustainable system? Like if I you know, wrote programming for you and every single time you did that programming, you broke your leg, you know... I don't think, you know, it's like, well, I broke my right leg. You know, okay, well, you know, we only have one leg left, so let's really go at it with that one leg. And then you break that leg too. At what point is it a me problem and not a you problem, right?
1: Right. And so, go ahead. it's, It's easy to think logically in those, you know, other examples that we use, but for some reason it gets clouded and people don't have that same objectivity when it comes to, your diet or nutrition plan but it's the exact same thing
0: yeah I mean like the Bulgarian method was sort of known for you know um, there's been a lot of you know powerlifting um, Olympic lifting the systems that are in place that basically you know crack a lot of eggs to make an omelet right and and I think that that's a good analogy to the health and fitness industry Where you're highlighting a few people that look like that for that day, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, I'll fully admit to you, and I've talked about this openly, you know, that when I went from 250 pounds to 149 pounds, yeah, I had abs, but it wasn't the end game. I knew that even at the time. That, you know, what I really wanted to do was sort of lean out and then really work on building and, and kind of go down that path. And now at 185 pounds with significantly more muscle, right? I'm, I'm, from that point, you know, I have roughly 25 pounds more muscle. So if you do the math, right, I also have a little bit of fat. And that's okay. You know, I think that, you know, people think of someone that has like 12 to 14% body fat as if like they have a death sentence, you know. Um, I would say most people that are fit, you know, you know, physique prep, things of this nature, most of those guys are not sitting at 5% the good majority of the time. They're they're sitting, you know, anywhere from from 10 to 14% while their calories are kind of normalizing i mean that's that's the one piece that that i don't think that the fitness industry is completely honest about is that most of these super muscular people you know actually eat a lot of food right and and they don't necessarily do the things that now they might have done it you know they'll prescribe something that would be a cutting cycle you know um you know, for a regular person and not realize, you know, that that's not mentally the best thing for that person. Yeah. And you're, you know, your body doesn't want to live
1: at that low level of body fat percentage. It's just, you know, there, there's a lot that comes into play with, with hormone production and just overall mood and how you function on a day-to-day basis. And, and adipose tissue and fat has, has a big part has a big role in that so um, you know again your body wants to survive and it, it wants to you know so when we talk about you know a stage competitor physique competitor you have to really separate that from when we're talking about health because they really don't go hand in hand and and if your goal is is to get on stage then you know that's one thing but if your goal is health then you yeah I, I agree that the whole body fat percentage thing really uh, really gets blown out of proportion.
0: Well, and and Mike, you know, sits at seven and nine percent all the time. His macros are, are really high, right? And and you know, I I can't even imagine you wanting to do like physique or anything like that, <laughs> just because you know. But I, I have to say, like, if 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 Mike takes off his shirt at the beach, people know he lifts weights, right? And I think that that's important when people start to think about, well what what is my end game here, right? And the end game really needs to be food and work. You know, I mean I talked a little bit about it in the first section, but when you know, I was doing CrossFit, I mean let's be real like, you know, I mean when I first walked into a CrossFit gym, um, and I st- You know, I still consider myself a CrossFitter to this day. You know, I'm, I'm, I may or may not be doing the Open this year. I mean, if I don't do the Open, the reason I won't do the Open is because the way that I work out now makes my body more athletic. And I think to myself, I don't want to get hurt, right? I don't want to put my body in compromising positions and that's what a fitness competition is going to do you know and so if your goal is to be the best fitness competitor in the world you know you're going to naturally have to put your body at risk and so yeah. you know that's not necessarily consistent with my goals at the moment you know um mike and i were at the crossfit games And I mean, he's like, oh, my God, I totally want to do this, you know, and it is really enticing, right? It's fun. You know, it's working out for time. It's it's, you know, if you have any competitor part of you in your body, it's very enticing to want to do that. Right. Um, And so, you know, when I started looking at Mike's templates, well, the first thing I remember was that I had to cut them short, right? Where I was doing like two-thirds of the workout and just couldn't finish, you know? And I think some of it was just kind of the mentality of, of you know, wanting to get the workout in at a certain amount of time, um, not allowing myself the proper rest between sets, things of that nature, but really more mentally, right? Where... I'm going to have to go into this and grind this a little bit, you know. And I got a little bit faster, I think, when I first started off, you know, doing everything hurts. It was like, you know, an hour and 45 minutes. And I got it down to about an hour and 15 and some were like 45 minutes, you know. So it netted out to about an hour. Now I'm a little bit longer on the foundational workouts, you know, that we're doing with the the specific body parts and stuff like that. Um, And I'll get better as I learn – those exercises too, you know. A lot of a lot of what I do is I really want to be focused on good form, so I'm in there watching videos and making sure that I'm doing the exercise correctly. And so, you know, the time that you're investing in the beginning will allow you to speed up eventually. Um, so keep that in mind because you know I think you know if you're coming from you know something like me with crossfit background where you you know you work out for 15 minutes and then you know you kind of you you know you you knew you worked out you know i mean that is the other thing that people say right is like you know i think the first workout i did with my wife with everything hurt, she was like that didn't feel like I worked out and then the next morning she couldn't move her arms right so you got to be careful about you know what you're trying to do i think a lot of people do workouts that are not consistent with their goals right and that's that's what these templates are sort of meant to do i do want to address the one thing that you know because we we have the lean af templates um which you know on the getting started page is known as the the ultimate fat loss on um, templates that's really what you should be doing for fat loss And you probably do need to pull down some of the weights, um, especially if calories are a little bit lower, because even the volume in lean AF is high, right? Um, Can you speak to that a little bit? Because I I feel like people underestimate the foundational days and then they consider the anabolic days as optional.
1: Yeah, so really the whole purpose of matching that template with fat loss is to manage the stress response and recovery of the central nervous system. So those foundational days, which you could actually do two times a week and still get really great results if you're doing the anabolic sessions as well. But let's say you're doing them three times per week. Um, So as frequency increases, we kind of want to lower the volume and intensity, especially in a caloric deficit. Um, So you know, we're looking at making sure that the nervous system has enough time to recover. And then we're also looking at elevating that muscle building signal for longer because you're in a more catabolic state when you're in a fat loss cycle. So if we can get those trigger sessions in, that's going to signal to your body like, hey, we're, we're using this muscle. We need to hold on to this tissue. And that's really the way that I always try to think about it because your, your, your body – Listens to every signal that you send it, and so when I try and think out a template or a program for a specific adaptation, it's what message am I sending to the body? And for the lean AF, it's really we need to do everything we can to hold on to this muscle while making sure we have enough uh, recovery built in so that we're not overstressing the nervous system. And that's that is basically the the uh, you know whole mindset behind that that template
0: well and and one of the things that you know i i think the crossfit mindset is it benefits me but but it also hurts me at times you know um yesterday you know the temptation you know it was it was day two so that's deadlifts and you know as someone that that deadlifts mid-fours um you know, the temptation is to go up and and do sets and reps at 365, you know, and the problem that you run into there is that the demand on your central nervous system isn't going to allow you to get through the other 12 sets. Right. Um, and so, so I, I ended up working at, at 275, um, And, you know, the one thing that that was noticeable doing the, you know, this stuff with Mike is that and and people talk about this a lot in bodybuilding forums and, and things of this nature is that the faster you do it, you know, the more you're kind of cheating your progress, you know. So a lot of times people go, well, these templates don't give me any ideas on percentages and things of that nature. That's the reason why. Right. Because, you know, you might be able to lift a great deal, but should you? Right. Because you're not going to necessarily get that muscle response. If you're doing it fast, you know, it, it's kind of surprising because I saw a video of Mike and JK and just how slow they were doing the contraction. So I started doing that and then I started noticing the other people in the gym that were like, you know, just doing it for time and I was just like, wow, you know, I I didn't really realize that.
1: Yeah, and it definitely depends on on the goal. So like you said, with, with CrossFit and you want explosive movements you're trying to you know get as many reps as possible then obviously there's a time for you know quick explosive movements you know you think of box jumps and olympic lifting um, you know you're talking about performance being the main driver there but when you're talking about building muscle uh, there's definitely a, a focus on feeling that muscular connection and and really you know, taking your time through the, the range of motion and understand what muscles you're supposed to be using and contracting, and, you know, all that good stuff that, that helps, you know, really um, you know fatigue all your all your muscle fibers.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll talk a little bit about that with like you know, combining it with wads or doing finishers and stuff like that. But you know, like day six of everything hurts, where you're doing body weight squats three seconds down, three seconds up, you know, that's not the way that you do a bodyweight squat at CrossFit, right? Because you're trying to get as many reps as possible. So you have to think about, well, what's the goal of what I'm trying to do, right? The slower that you're doing it, the better it is for hypertrophy. You know what's interesting? Do you follow um, Alex Smith, um, Ben Smith's brother? Uh, no, no. So what's so cool about Alex Smith's page is that every workout he's doing looks like everything hurts. Um, I mean, every single one. It's, it's, it's funny to me that, you know, people think that these guys CrossFit their way. Noah Olson does not look like Noah Olson because he CrossFitted his way to all that muscle. Now, you could say that, you know, CrossFit is not defined by high intensity, but there's a lot of evidence to the contrary, right? I mean, like, like, when you think of the sport of CrossFit, it is really defined by high intensity. But when you think of how to get to that level of athleticism, how to get to that level of muscle, Alex Smith's page is one of the best pages that you can see because if you look at an image between Rich Froning in 2010 to Rich Froning in 2017, you know, 2010 was his like metrosexual phase. And then 2017 is like his lumberjack phase, right? I mean, and he, his body looks different. He did not do that wadding, right? You, you have to have some level of, you know, hypertrophy to hold on to that muscle and you know i would do like 50 pull-ups and 100 sit up ghd sit-ups and stuff like this and think that that was hypertrophy work but i was ignoring my shoulders or i would be ignoring you know i mean the thing that's changed my life 100 is rows rows have changed my life and i mean i always thought you know what As somebody that deadlifts a good deal of weight, eh, you know, I'm good, right? Because, I mean, I I have a decent back. My lats are decent. But what I didn't realize was the postural benefit of the rows, right? And then, you know, when you start looking at, I mean, you know, there's so many workouts that, you know, CrossFitters make fun of that right now i'm doing and i'm going yeah why wouldn't i want to have these like shrugs you know um Mm -hmm. i mean as a crossfitter you used to make fun of anyone doing shrugs right but when you look at somebody with well-defined traps they tend to look good right so shrugs have some benefit there especially if you know now if you're constantly you know doing high volume of snatches and stuff like that maybe you don't need that right but that was not my reality and so um i just think that there's a lot of things that you look at curls being another good example yeah you can get some stimulus from doing chin-ups that's going to give you some bicep work right but If you're a 180 pound person and you're doing chin-ups, can you really get in the same kind of volume that you would be getting in if you had 75 pounds in your hands? Right? You can get in much more volume at 75 pounds. Right? So that's something to to keep in mind. What are What are your thoughts on that? I mean, like you know,
1: yeah, it's a tough conversation to have with someone, especially when you know the the common question would be uh if i want to you know build on my aesthetic and build more muscle and i crossfit you know six days a week what should i do and and the answer really is to do less crossfit but you know it's a tough conversation because at the same time if, if that's what you love to do and your goal is strictly to perform better at crossfit then by all means but you know there has to be um the realization of a trade-off there if your goal is performance and strictly performance you are going to sacrifice some of that aesthetic and if your goal is more you know physique aesthetic based then you will uh, need to sacrifice a bit of performance and you know kind of you know people want to know how can I work in both and maximize both at the same time and it, it doesn't really work like that so there you know there are ways and it's not all or nothing that's you know it, it kind of you know swings along a pendulum it's just how much focus or emphasis do you want on that one area i mean if you're trying to and I, I made a post about this like if you're trying to compete and perform at a high level for the open you probably shouldn't be worried about what your abs look like right now i mean you really yeah. um, you you need to to fuel and you need to really put all your eggs in that performance basket um, and and so i think that's kind of where people Miss the point of the um, dumbest
0: you know. thing that you see in CrossFit right now is people trying to diet. So their pull-ups are better.
1: Right. 100%. Right. hundred percent.
0: You'd be way better off having more energy to get better at pull-ups. Like the, the idea that you being down five to eight pounds is going to be that much better for you in terms of pull-ups, you know, I'm not saying that that it, it wouldn't be. I'm just saying right now would be a real bad right. time to focus on that. And what's what's worse about it is that you see it with regionals and you see it with the right. CrossFit games. You know,
1: I mean I We saw examples. I mean, how many people did we see that walked into Madison that were just absolutely shredded but their performance tanked?
0: Yeah. I mean, I would say that there's, you know, there was at least two people that I thought had a real good shot at $275,000 that lost it by coming to the CrossFit game shredded, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there's just, you know, it, it just seems to me like there is kind of this conflict within the the CrossFit world in particular um, and I would say that even, even in like physique and, and bodybuilding and, and stuff like this where, you know, there's this narrative of to be a better human being at whatever sport you compete at, you have to have energy. Um, but logically, people will kind of get in their own way a little bit, Right. And then there are always those other people that are kind of preaching shortcuts and preaching, you know, um, that that there's some optimal body fat percentage for a CrossFitter and, and, and things right. of this nature. And it's just like that, that to me,
1: more of a distraction.
0: It just, just to me, it feels like that person doesn't know as much about physiology as they think. Right. And so the last piece that we will probably talk about, we could really talk about this for hours at a time, um, is if you're doing anything other than lean AF, do it fed. You know, um, I, I can tell you right now, you know, I mean, it, it's it's minus 15 outside, not a lot of cardio happening. I could certainly be doing cardio. The way that I base my cardio workouts. You know, I mean, if it's programmed in, like, everything hurts, I will do it. Um, but I haven't been doing a lot of cardio recently. And the reason is, is because my aesthetic looks fine, right? So if I look great naked, you know, then I'm not necessarily going to be focused on cardio from the standpoint of, you know, my weight or whatever. I really focus on how I look and feel. Um, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean that I go no cardio right um and i'm i'm usually fairly conscious of of steps and things of this nature but if you're in the gym for 2 hours doing you know 500 reps right which is you know some of the foundational workouts go that high you know you're st- you're you're that's a certain amount of heart health happening there you know so that's something to keep in mind um as you move forward but i just think that um Most people, especially if you're not an eat performer, don't understand the level of food that you need to to get to have the adaptation that kind of, you know, I can't remember who it was that asked about the, the muscle building. You know, a lot of people think about the training piece, but then don't think about the food piece or then they think about the food piece, but don't think about the training piece. You know, you have like 16 year old kids asking how they can put on muscle. You know, and it's like, well, certainly you can eat more, but you have to have some training with that, you know. And in the case of a 38-year-old female, it's the exact opposite, right? Um, So you got to be looking at all of those things, but you should be eating. And, you know, um, there's there's a bodybuilder guy at my gym and, you know, I mean, he's not on a treadmill Um, he comes in three, four days a week and his average calories are right at 4,500, you know? Um, so when you have, you know, metabolically muscle is very demanding, you know? Um, and you're going to walk away from some of those sessions starving. And if you don't eat, you sort of miss the point of why you worked out. Right. Um, do you disagree with that? Or, or, I mean, do you agree with that in general? 100%
1: 100% spot on. And and another thing to consider is that if you are doing these type of workouts like the foundation template or EH and you are underfed, let's say you have enough energy to get through those workouts, I can guarantee you the rest of the day, you're not moving very much at all. And and you're kind of, you know, you, your body is going to just go into lazy mode, sitting on the couch. You're not going to feel like walking. You're not going to feel like, you know, getting to the grocery store. There's there's a lot of cost that comes with trying to do those workouts and not being properly fueled throughout the day. Um, You know, it's, it's a big difference.
0: 100%. All right. So obviously busy time in each form land. If you're listening to this and you stuck around to the end and you're not a member, we'd love to have you, you know, I know a lot of people are looking for homes this time of year um, in, in terms of health and fitness and, you know, I, I really think that we have all the bases covered, you know, for really most people. Um, you know, when I see, you know, it, it, what we do is very expensive, you know, in a lot of instances. And we've figured out a way to have that at not only a relatively, a, a relatively inexpensive way to do it, but we're able to communicate with you more in the way that you want to communicate, right? So most people want to communicate on their phones. That's the way everyone's kind of working. And so, you know, if you have to email your coach and they maybe get back to you in a day or two, or maybe don't, you know. And then I think that there's this bigger audience that doesn't live in that world, right? Where they don't realize that they need coaching, that they need to talk to someone you know, people will talk about accountability and they'll often think about, you know, workout partners and things of this nature. But the ability to talk to someone smarter than you, you know, and I'm not saying that in, in, a, in a grandiose way. I mean, that was certainly my reality, right? Is that when, you know, before my Eat Perform days, you know, I did not seek out this information. So once I started to get fit, I started to pay everyone that could to, to fill me up with knowledge. You know, that's what our app does. That's what our program does. And, you know, we're we're super proud to be able to take on a good amount of people and, and hopefully at some point in the future even more than that because we believe in the higher purpose of what we're doing. So, All right, we will end on that note. Thanks, uh, Mike you know we're we're still trying to figure out like what the role of this podcast is going to be moving forward for the new year um but we're we're kind of thinking of of some different ideas that will allow us to kind of expand upon your knowledge base and give you more information so uh, mike you want to say goodbye to everyone
1: thanks for having me paul goodbye everyone and hope everyone has a safe and happy new year
0: yeah, same here. And I think, you know, what I what I hope for everybody, you know, um, is that you just view all of these moments as sacred, you know. And when you're with your family, when you're celebrating a new year, you know, that you just don't have these mental distractions that, you know, cloud the fun that life's supposed to be about. All right, guys. Talk to you later. And thanks for listening.